Creative Babble. At the age of 27, Sharon McConnell Dickerson worked as a flight attendant and a cook. I was flying on corporate and private jets, cooking for, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, executives and uh, private families, vanities, musicians, uh, actors. You may have heard of one or two of her passengers. Some of which... uh, you know, uh, famous people like Donald and Ivana Trump, and their family was young then. Their three children uh, was in the late 80s that I flew with them. Some of her other passengers included Barbara Bush, Henry Kissinger, the Beach Boys, Carly Simon. Not a bad gig until one morning. In between a series of flights, everything changed. So when I woke up in Chicago many years later, it was such a shock. I was on a trip, and I woke up, and it was like a heavy fog had set in. Sharon opened her eyes, but she couldn't see. She was blind. It was a really uh, hard morning, you know, literally feeling around for my shoe, you know. And I don't know how I... I made it that day, but uh, on that plane, I remember going downstairs at the lobby and before the pilots would get down there and I would sit in the lobby and pretended to read a newspaper and because I knew if I had caught eye of someone and I didn't respond that I might be found out. I was faking it real good. And uh, they said good morning, I was good morning, and I followed them out into the car and drove to the FBO. The FBO is a private jet terminal. And I couldn't see the plane, never mind the tail number, to know where to walk. So I had to ask uh, the ground crew, support crew, if they would drive me out with my china and everything to the plane, and which they did. And somehow I was able to do that flight. When I woke up blind in Chicago, it was a shock to me. There there wasn't any warning that I had any um, condition with my eyes, uh, anything wrong with my eyes until that time. I just woke up and it was uh, like a veil, you know, between me and the world. And I had to somehow you know, get it together. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And and I just did it. Sharon didn't know if this sudden blindness was temporary or a sign of something worse. But in that moment in time, it didn't matter. She had to pretend in order to survive. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend Radio. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Sharon McConnell Dickerson. An artist who taught me that you don't have to see to experience art. An artist so important that she is preserving the Mississippi Delta blues with her own two hands. But before we talk about Sharon's art, let's go back to the day that she lost her sight. Of course, later I you know, went to an ophthalmologist and was told that 
I had a degenerative eye disease that would lead to total blindness, and it was called uveitis. And they couldn't tell me when it would happen. They said, it, it, you know, you could lose your sight tomorrow. You could lose it 10 years from now. You could lose it 20 years from now, but you will lose it. And I did everything I could to prolong that, you know, different um, drug therapies and surgeries and procedures, you know, really, uh, I, I didn't respond to anything. Today, Sharon is completely blind. Um, what I see now is uh, my central vision is completely gone. Um, my left eye is dark. I have no sight out of my left eye. My right eye, I have some in the peripheral. Um, but basically, I have what's called LP, light perception. I can tell it's light out, um, but I can't tell if it's a sunny day unless I go outside. It's it's kind of it's kind of interesting how people tend to react to these kinds of situations. I just assumed that. If it happened to me, if I suddenly went blind, I would, I would crumble. I don't think I could handle it. But I've learned that people tend to be much stronger than what they could have imagined. Being blind is Sharon's new reality. Life is different now. She had to just adapt and reinvent herself. So what did she do? She turned to art. I had no art background before I lost my sight. Um... You know, it was uh, a friend of a friend that introduced me to sculpture, um, came to my home where I was living in Kenny Bunkford and uh, was windsurfing, wanting to windsurf on the beach. He was a sculptor and he brought this lump of clay and some tools and a stand, which he set up and he gave me some moves, you know, show me some moves and how to manipulate the clay and what to do with it. Then he left to go windsurfing. Sharon was all alone. It was just her and the lump of clay. And I looked out the big windows at the house and I could see the surf and I could see this blur, uh, bright blur that was dancing, which I knew on the waves, which was his, his sail. And then I started to, you know, work with the clay and, you know, probably about three hours later, I was lost. Um, and, you know, what the result of those three hours was, I, although it was very raw, I had sculpted what was a self-portrait. That experience made me feel something, you know, I forgot about. Uh, my disability or different ability now. Uh, and I felt new ability. It was like, I really, this is what I want to do. I want to learn how to sculpt. And I've got to find a way to do it. And I was so proud of what I had done, which was, I mean, <laughs> as I look at it today, I mean, it's beautiful to me, but it is so raw and uh it, it marks my beginning of my journey. So it is uh, perfectly imperfect. A blind artist? It's pretty remarkable. But here's why her story is really important. 
Sharon now lives in Como, Mississippi, in the hill country just above the Mississippi Delta. If you're not familiar with the area, the Delta is the birthplace of the blues. It's a place where black sharecroppers and tenant farmers worked in cotton fields, chanting simple songs about their lives and their struggles. The blues is a form of music that inspired so many artists and musicians. The Delta is home to legends like John Lee Hooker, Howling Wolf, Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters. Then there are the blues musicians that time has forgotten. And these artists, they're dying off. And their presence is slipping away. What attracted me to Mississippi and the blues was, you know, a, a feeling. Um, the music, the, the uh, authenticity, authenticity, the humility and the raw talent of the musicians and and in places where they lived and... Um, it just was, um, it matched what was going on inside of me at the time. And, you know, it's uh, the highs and the lows. It, it Blues is not just feeling down. Um, it's also feeling joy. And um, so it's, it's everything, you know, blues music makes me feel everything. Sharon has devoted the last 15 plus years of her life to preserving the blues by creating masks of the faces of these dying musicians. I drove to her home in Como, Mississippi to see the masks for myself. I walked into her living room only to find three full body sculptures of nude women standing in her living room. It was stunning. She showed me around her house there's art everywhere. She's even painted a mural on the floor near the kitchen. Sharon also creates sculptures of horses made of driftwood she collects along the Mississippi River. We walked into the next room, and there it was. This is the live cast of um, R.L. Burnside. Sharon was holding the mask of R.L. Burnside. R.L. Burnside is a legend around here. He's everything that's mystifying about the blues. When he was a young man, his father, two brothers, and uncles all died within the same year. R.L. Burnside later killed a man and spent many years in the Mississippi Penitentiary. He played the blues his whole life, but didn't get discovered until he was an old man in the 1990s. Here's Sharon holding his face in her hands. I went to his home in Holly Springs to cast this, and uh, it, this was after um, R.L. had his uh, heart attack and was recovering, but he was doing really well, and I live cast him in his kitchen. And when I took the, uh, the materials off his face, um, you know, he went immediately to clean up in, in the washroom and he came out and he said, man, I, I feel rejuvenated. I feel like a snake. Like I just shed my skin. Like you took something off of me. You took something away from me. 
which I did. There was remnants of hair and eyelashes and, you know, maybe a little bit of, of something else, but um, it, it felt good to him. And many of the musicians have reacted the same way. But he, we sat around and told stories, and he told jokes, and he played some music, and it was, it was really a terrific time. You really have to see these masks for yourself. They're haunting. When you're done listening to this episode, do yourself a favor and check out her masks on our site, pretendradio.org. There you can see some of the faces she's casted over the years. It's incredible. Some of the, the people that I cast, uh, uh, Bobby Bland from Memphis, uh, Little Milton also from Memphis, uh, Honey Boy Edwards, Chicago, Pine Top Perkins, uh, originally from Clarksdale, many of the musicians from uh, originally from Mississippi. She calls this project the cast of blues. This is a clip from her upcoming documentary. And you know, and God put us all here, and he put us all here for a reason, and sometimes it takes a lifetime to find it, you know? And I think she found hers. I was curious how a blind person could do such a thing. When you're looking at her mask, it's like you're looking at the skin, the very skin of these people. This is Delta native and actor Morgan Freeman talking about Sharon's work. What you get is how she is molding you because she's learning you as she's doing it, you know. I mean, she's, she's seeing through her hands and you can feel it. You feel her while she's feeling you. She didn't go blind. She changed life. She traded for a new life. I wanted to see the process for myself, so today at her house, she's casting the hands of blues musician Mark the Mule Man Massey. Casting of Mark Massey. Um, this is going to be part of a new uh, piece that I'm working on where the roots of the, the tree are going to be hands and arms that are reaching out. Johnny Winter um, is the first hand casting that I did. Mark Massey, the new man right here, is uh, going to be the second uh, hands. You're so silly crazy. Sharon prepares a bucket full of mold material and asks Mark to dip his arms in the bucket. He's on his knees for what seems like 45 minutes. You're so silly crazy. That's what I like about you. When you put my hands in this stuff, girl. <laughs> it's your And don't get it all over you. Man, it's good. Yeah, it is, yeah. Tight as a drum and sweet as a plum. You know, sculpting is the way I access um, a lost sense. It is the vehicle through which I access a lost sense, my sight. Um, when you look into a mirror, you see a flat image of your your own uh, reflection, but it's not anything compared to what you discover you know, in the plaster, like the work I do in the life cast mask, that shows you more of the structure. There's something else 
that is evident in the mask. Um, it doesn't just capture the, the muscle, the bone, the, the flesh, the pores, the, the hair. Um, it captures the spirit or there is an essence. There's something that's conveyed, the emotion. There is an emotion that is conveyed in the material that's captured in there somehow. It's, it, there's an energy. Sharon has created masks for more than 60 musicians. And I've been in a room of them, the masks surrounding me, all 50 plus of them, 60 to date, and by myself, which was very moving. It was the first time I'd ever been in a room by myself with all of them. And I just sobbed. It, it, I felt them all. There, it, and many of them, over half of my collection now are deceased. And so there I was, you know, just remembering them all. And they all seem to have these conversations going on. And it just um, was real. It was surreal. We've lost another master of the blues. Mark, the mule man, his cast is set. It's time to pull his arms out of the bucket. Okay, I think that you can slowly just wiggle your hands out. There you go. <laughs> okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm perfect. No, I'm fine, man. I'm just blown away how that so felt. What? That was the weirdest feeling when it come out. out. Yeah. I'm going to let it sit for a bit. Some might think that I don't fully experience my own art because I can't see. Um, but, you know, it's sculpture is in my method of, of uh, molding or casting is totally tactile. Uh, so you have to feel the form. You don't need eyes to do that. They certainly help. <laughs> oh, all the musicians I've casted, 60 of them, they're all so precious to me. They're precious gifts to the world. And they left the most human, you know, most unique recording which is of their human face for us to cherish and to be able to see what they looked like forever and and future generations to learn who they were and be able to see what they look like. I think it's wonderful. I'm honored. You know, like I say to you sometimes, people wait too late. I'm real happy to be able to, to sit here and know that my bus will be there and I can know about it. I'm, I'm happy that my children and my grandchildren will know about my history. Yeah. 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 Careful around your hair. Oh. There we go. Oh, yeah. I've been remade. I've been remade. <laughs> yeah. Ooh-wee. Just a new one. <laughs> I think she's a special person, the most beautiful person I ever met. And I can't call somebody that can have me in my head and I hold it in my own hand and see it with my eyes and it's my perfect twin, so how can you call somebody blind that can do something like that? She just got her own special way of seeing.
Next time on Pretend Radio, I'm going to tell you the ultimate pretend story. I'm talking with a former FBI undercover agent who made a career out of living a lie. For 27 years, Mark Ruskin slipped in and out of various characters, busting criminals ranging from drug dealers to Wall Street insiders. We learned uh, at one point that the Macheteros had a plot to assassinate an FBI agent. The problem was we didn't know who the FBI agent was. Knowing that, one evening I come back, I'm driving back home, it's dark, and I'm going to park my car in the cul-de-sac. And as I pull into the cul-de-sac, I see to my right, there's a car parked, engines off, the lights are off, and there's two, the silhouettes of two men inside the car. Knowing that these guys were there, there was a moment there where like a moment of decision, like what do I do? Do I go into the building or do I confront the situation. At one point, Mark was juggling three or four cases at a time. That's next time on Pretend Radio. Just one more thing before I go. I want to thank my buddy Brandon Roten. If it wasn't for him... We would have never gone to that steakhouse in Como, Mississippi, and I would have never discovered Sharon McConnell Dickerson. I also want to thank David Dickerson, Sharon's husband, for cooking up like the best midnight snack. He made homemade biscuits with molasses and cooked up some sausage that Mark the Mule Man brought over. And of course, I do want to thank Mark the Mule Man for letting me witness his live cast. You know, I, I recorded this story over two years ago. I've been sitting on it for all these years, not knowing what to do with it. And then it hit me. I could share it here on Pretend Radio. I hope you allow me from time to time to flex the concept a little bit to fit great stories like this. But don't worry. The next two episodes are what this show is all about. We're talking to a real-life FBI undercover agent. You're going to love it. See you next time. Creative Babble.